now that my mic is on. I'll say more about this clip a little bit later in the service, but some of you will recognize this scene. person whose calls you take, that's the person that you're in relationship with. So what one thing could you do that you're not doing now that if you did on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference in your life? That's the first line on your outline and really shares a bit about where we're going in this message and in this service, what one thing could you do that you're not doing now that if you did on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference in your life? Now, we all have some of those, and they're all probably different. Uh, There will be some that are the same for some of us, but it's not a question of Is that list empty? Because it's not for any of us. There are some things that we could be doing that we're not doing now that would have a positive impact on our lives. And yet, we're not doing them now. So why aren't you doing it? It's not a matter of knowing that it would be better if we did that. But if there are some things that you could be doing that you're not doing, that if you were, they would have a positive impact on your life, why aren't you doing them? Why aren't you doing that? That's the question, and I think that's the question of this lesson today as well. We've been working through a few of uh, Stephen Covey's uh, list of seven habits of highly effective people, talking about habits of effective living. And... uh, So far, we've seen live with the end in mind and be proactive. Last week was be proactive. Today, we're talking about something different. In order to put things first, which is the title of the lesson, we must examine our priorities. So as we think about those things that we could be doing that we're not and ask ourselves, why am I not doing them? Today, as we think about putting first things first, we must examine our priorities. As our uh, shepherd, Ken Culpepper, was leading us in our prayer earlier, I I wrote down what he said because I thought this was so well put, um, asking for God's protection of us and to help us overcome false teachers, overcome misplaced priorities, and overcome lukewarm Christianity. I thought, man, I wish I'd have thought of those three things and put them in the list and had one of them be a blank that you had to fill. You know, that's, that's how good that was, Ken. I appreciate that very, very much. Guarding against false teaching, misplaced priorities, and lukewarm Christianity. All of those things are really about what we're talking about through this series and certainly including 
today. In order to put first things first, we must examine our priorities. And it's not just doing the things on our calendars and checklists. That's a part of it. That was pretty much last week, being proactive. It's examining what's on those lists and prioritizing them. Asking ourselves, okay, is, are these things that I need to be doing, are they the right things? Our focus should be on people and relationships, first of all. That was the focus for Jesus. And it's not just managing our time. It's managing ourselves. And that's what makes this hard. I know you've heard, I've heard those who say, we all have the same amount of hours in a day, we all have the same number of days in a week, and weeks in a month, and months in a year, all of that. We all have that available to us. And so it's really not just managing our time, but it's managing ourselves. And that's what makes this hard. And that's where Matthew chapter 6 fits in. Matthew chapter 6, as you may know, is the middle chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. As Matthew records it, it's Matthew 5 through 7. It begins with the wonderful Beatitudes that Jesus shares at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Goes on throughout that passage, that, uh, those three chapters. And then, as it ends, it ends with that wonderful story of the wise man built his house on the rock... Foolish man built his house on the sand. Wise man's house stood firm in the floods. Foolish man's house went splat. And all of that is an illustration when Jesus says, here's here's what the person who hears my words and does them is like. The wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's what the person who hears my words and doesn't do them, here's what they're like. They're like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Well, the middle chapter in this great, great sermon, one of the greatest pieces of literature ever, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a splendid message from Jesus as Matthew records it. The context is the Sermon on the Mount, and the specific context of chapter 6 has to do with treasures, what we treasure, what we value. And really the whole purpose, Jesus says in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So really the the point that he makes at the beginning of the chapter and then kind of illustrates it throughout is live to the glory of God. Don't live to the glory of yourself. But let everything you do, including your worship, and he's going to give a few specific examples, let everything you do be done to point to the Father, not to yourself. And he does speak of our public worship. I know in uh, uh, the class that Michael Hurley taught this morning, they were discussing worship as well. He gives a few examples in Matthew chapter 6. The example of our giving of helping others, the example of our prayer life, and specifically a part of that is seeking God's forgiveness based on how we forgive others. The Lord's Prayer, as we call it, is included in Matthew chapter 6. And then also our fasting, being willing to discipline ourselves and to deprive ourselves even for spiritual motive, and not doing that so that others will 
will see us. I, we had a prayer and fasting ceremony, a prayer and fasting seminar in San Antonio years and years ago when Joyce and I were there and I was just beginning preaching ministry and uh, we had a man named Albert Lemon. Some of you perhaps have heard of him and he, ha- he came and he did a fasting seminar for us and, you know, I, I, I had us plan to have a sandwich supper Friday night. <laughs> That's how clueless I was. And so he said, for those of you who want to and are willing to do this, let's fast until tomorrow. Now, don't do it without your doctor's care. If you have medical issues, other concerns, by all means, make sure you take that into consideration. But for those who can and desire to, don't eat anything between now and tomorrow when we're finished with our Saturday night session. Well, that was good. And the temptation, of course, is to not shave, not bathe, wear the same clothes, make yourself look as miserable as you can so that everyone will know how much I'm sacrificing for God. That's what Jesus speaks against here. That's how the religious leaders of the Jews would do it. Because it was all done so that others would see them and see how gloriously religious and devout they are. Jesus says, don't do anything for that purpose, including and especially your worship at the beginning of Matthew 6. But then starting in verse 19, he talks about treasures. I love the way Cameron transitioned from our focus on the Lord's Supper and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as is announced in that wonderful resurrection chapter that he mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15. Transitioning from that to our opportunity to give and to contribute remembering not just the spiritual blessings God has given us, but the material blessings also. Matthew chapter 6 addresses that. Jesus talks about that. That specifically, our giving. And it's based on where our treasures are. And the reason that's important is Matthew 6 verse 21. Jesus says where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart is. So you might think, Bill, this is just material things. This is just treasures. This is just physical dollars and cents and stuff. And I, I, I get that. I get that. And those things are not the most important. The most important is your heart. And how do I know what's in my heart, Bill? Well, what do you treasure? What do you value? Later on in Matthew in chapter 12, he's going to say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How important is what we say? how we say it, what our words do to those who hear it. It's hugely important for their sake, but it's also important for our sake because it's an indication of what's in my heart, how I speak to others, the kind of language that I use, the purpose of my words. Here in Matthew 6, it's our treasures. We can decide, we can tell where our heart is by asking ourselves Where is my treasure? What do I value? And then, of course, Matthew 6 ends with this great passage on trust that begins in verse 25. Joyce talks a lot and has for their whole lives to our daughters about this passage in Matthew 6. And whenever we're talking to them or she's talking to them and they're a bit worried and a bit upset, she'll always say, remember the lilies. Remember the lilies, how God takes care of them. That story comes from Matthew chapter 6, this sermon. God takes such good care of the lilies of the field. 
of the birds of the air. He's going to take care of you because he values you so much more. And then this passage, of course, ends with a couple of great, great statements. One is the song that we just sang, Seek Ye First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things that you need, you'll have. Not everything you want, but everything you need, you'll have. If you put me first, Jesus says, if you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that's what we're talking about today. Putting first things first. Asking ourselves, what what do I value? What has priority in my life? It's based in creation. Tucker shared from John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even predates Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Jesus was there long before that. But it's God who created us. It's Jesus Christ who is that eternal word. And so it's Jesus Christ now who is telling us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will take care of itself. may not be like you like it, like you expect it. But it'll be okay. If you're seeking first the kingdom. You have on your outline and also here in this next slide the time management matrix. It's from this book by Stephen Covey that's referenced in your uh, handout. And there are four quadrants as you see. Uh, Top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. And so just a a way to look at this, uh, the top left quadrant, quadrant one, shows that things, these are things that are important but that are also urgent. So quadrant one is a pretty important quadrant, right? It's the important things, but also the urgent things. These are the crises that come up occasionally. The fires that have to be put out. The deadline-driven projects, for example. Um, I do my sermons way ahead of time, but if I didn't, if it's Tuesday night and I don't have my outline finished to give to Pat on Wednesday morning... That is a quadrant one issue, let me tell you. And we get that. We get that. And you have those in your work as well and in your family life as well. These are pressing problems. They focus on production. What, what you're, whatever it is that you're putting out in your life, in your work, that's what it's focused on, the product. Quadrant two are those things that are important but that are not urgent. And I want us to come back to that in a moment. Look at quadrant three, which is the lower left. These are things that are not important but that are urgent. These are some interruptions, some calls and texts and emails and Facebook messages and all the other kinds of ways that we can communicate. Not all of those are important. And some of those are even urgent and yet are not necessarily important. And that's what makes them hard to say no to. But one of the things I hope we go away from today realizing and remembering, when you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And that's okay. But we have to ask ourselves, am I saying yes to the important things? Some reports, some meetings, not important, but that 
somebody thinks are urgent. And this is really about expectations, right? Because we have different understandings. Someone else may think, well, this call is really important, Bill. It's really urgent. You need to handle this right now. And I may think, you know, I can deal with that on Tuesday morning just as well as I can deal with that on Saturday afternoon. These are pressing, sometimes immediate matters, but they are not exactly as important as some others. And these might be very popular activities, and that's why we might think of them as urgent. Because we like them. The lower right is quadrant four. It's the ones that are not important and not urgent. And I can tell you that that doesn't mean we don't ever do them. Because we do. We do, we do activities in all four of these quadrants. The question is, are we giving the, the important ones the right amount of time, or are we sacrificing the time for those things to do something else? For example, quadrant four. Not important, not urgent. Trivia, busy work. Some of this might be bleed over into quadrant one. When the deadline comes really soon... But some of it is just, there's nothing wrong with busy work. There's something comforting about busy work, right? When I was younger, I used to love to mow my yard. It was the first job I ever had. I made $2 for cutting somebody's yard front and back. As a teenager in San Antonio. I, and I ultimately raised my price from $2 to $3, and I thought I was rolling in dough. That's... That's kind of busy work. It does take some physical exertion. You do have to do it right, um, my father would tell me. But it's kind, of, it's kind of busy work. It moves into the urgent when the yard gets high enough, as you know. Some calls and texts and emails are not important and they're not urgent. And again, these are expectations. Not everybody would say, well, Bill, my email to you is... A lot more important than what you're giving it. Well, that's, that could very likely be true. Some reports, some meetings, you don't always have to have a meeting. When you're going to have a meeting, you ask a couple of questions. One is, is this meeting necessary? And if the answer to that is yes, then who needs to be here? These are time wasters, and sometimes you have time to waste, and that's okay. These are pleasant activities. And again, there's expectations involved and there's balance involved. So let's go to that quadrant two, that upper right one. That is important but not urgent. Because long term, this is the most important quadrant on the chart. You'd say, wait a minute, Bill, I thought that was quadrant one, important and urgent. Nope, not long term. It may be right now. But if you spend your whole life in quadrant one, you have zero future. So let's talk about quadrant two. Important but not urgent. Prevention, planning, research. Nothing's on fire. That's quadrant one. But there are important things to be considered. That relate to where we're going, who we are, those kinds of things. Relationships, training, education. Those are not things necessarily urgent, but they're absolutely vital if we're going to have a future in what we do and how we live. Recreation renewal is here. Not always urgent, probably hardly ever urgent. 
but very important to work that in somewhere, somehow, sometime. When Joyce and I uh, moved from Oklahoma City at Oklahoma Christian College to San Antonio, served as youth minister there, and the preacher was Mac Barty, wonderful man, retired Air Force chaplain. He had been an elder there when we were there in high school. And so I went in there with a Bachelor of Arts in Bible and didn't know nothing. (laughs) And Joyce got a job in downtown San Antonio, and uh, I was off on Thursdays. Thursday was my day off. And, you know, we were young, we were married, she was away, she was working, we had zero money, we had pretty much zero life. So sometimes I would go into the office on my day off, and Mac would say, Bill, what are you doing here? Well... You know, there's just nothing really pressing. He says, go. Leave right now. I don't want you here on your day off. Go home, watch TV, read a book, take a nap, go out and play golf, go out and walk in the park, whatever. Don't come here on your day off because you need this. He said, I want you to be a preacher and a minister your whole life. I don't want you to go 24-7 for five years and then burn out and throw it all away. And he was right. It didn't seem like the right thing. Didn't seem all that important. Certainly wasn't all that urgent. But it actually was truly important. That's a quadrant two. And this is not production. This is production capability. What can we do with what we're making? With what we're producing? How do we do that? How do we... How do we take a look at this and ask ourselves, how can we do better at what we do? At what we do. Well, let's, uh, the goal here is to spend regular adequate time in quadrant two. That, that's what gives us a future. That's what helps us to be able to do what we're doing well. And God is praised and glorified when we do what we're doing to his glory well. To say yes to quadrant two activities, you have to say no to some others, including some quadrant ones. And that's hard. That's hard. So you look at different things like values and you determine what your values are and that determines what your purpose and your mission is. And, and you take a look at that mission and you, you, you have a vision of how that looks down the line if you're doing that. And then you say, okay, based on what that purpose is and and what those values are, uh, let's set some goals so we can get there. And then let's add some teeth to that. Let's add some specific strategies to that so that maybe we can realize those goals and maybe one day we'll achieve that vision. And those things are listed on your handout. There are several keys that are listed there, determining what those values are, identifying the roles that people play, Selecting goals and strategies, scheduling, that's a big deal. Adapting every day, because every day changes, as we have especially found out over these past few years. Delegating, and, and not just go for delegating. Go for delegating is micromanaging, where you say, here, here, I want you to do this, I'm delegating this to you, and then you're over them in every step of the way to make sure they're doing it exactly like you would do it if you were doing it. Well, that's not really delegating. Stewardship delegation is empowering. Where you say, here, I'm giving you not just this responsibility, but also the authority to get this done. And I trust you. And then revisiting and evaluating all those things. Very important. And a couple of quotes. First of all, the enemy of the best is often the good. 
The enemy of the best is often the good. If we were just choosing between good things and bad things, it'd be easy peasy. But the hardest choices are between two good things. Trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to use my time today? And to say yes to the best, you may have to say no to something else that's actually a good way to spend your time, just not this afternoon. The enemy of the best is often the good, which means the enemy of quadrant two is often quadrant one. Because, oh yeah, I can put off that planning, I can put off that that recreation, I can put off all of those things. Well, I have uh, another slide to show you, the baptized time management matrix. This was my version because Stephen Covey's is a business book, but I'm baptizing it. And so here's the time management matrix from a Christian perspective, if you will. And you'll notice it has one thing in all four quadrants, quadrants, some ministry and service, because that's really the short way of defining everything that's there. Quadrant one, the important but urgent things would be lesson and ministry preparation. If you're teaching a Bible class this Sunday and it's Saturday afternoon and you're still kind of working on it, that has a whole different urgency to it. We'll get to quadrant two in a minute. Quadrant three, important things but that are, are not important things but that are urgent. And again, some ministry and service. But there are some things that may seem urgent but that are not quite as important as some people might think. I think of of elders, for example, being on call or ministers being on call. Let me tell you that being on call is different than being at someone's beck and call. Do we get that? And that's why ministry and church leadership is so hard. Because you have to be disciplined enough to make some of those decisions. And so it's a blessing to work with a congregation and an eldership that is considerate of those things. Quadrant four, of course, not important but not urgent. Again, some ministry and service is that way. It belongs there. Um, And all of those things that we've talked about can can be put there at one time or another, perhaps. But I want to go back to quadrant two, the things that are important but not urgent. Grady King has a MILE acronym, M-I-L-E. M is mission, deciding what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to be about. I is identity, deciding who you are. L is leadership, who's going to lead us. And E is encouragement, what's the good that we can do? M-I-L-E, ministry, identity, leadership, encouragement. I think that's a nice little acronym. And it fits in quadrant two. This is prayer, Bible study, and worship. What you're doing right now is a quadrant two thing. could be quadrant one. But there is nothing more wasteful in the eyes of people who don't know God than what we're doing right now. Oh, this hour, Bill, could have spent in so many other ways. You could have been out helping the poor, feeding the hungry, working on someone's house, Helping someone rebuild at a disaster site. All of those things are good things. But if we're doing all of those things and we're never doing this. Number one, we're not obeying God's command in the scriptures. But number two, we're assuring ourselves a time down the road when our tank is empty. Scripture says in Hebrews 10 and 1 Corinthians 14, this is the time when we fill our tanks. 
by focusing on the Lord and encouraging each other as we do that. Faith development, relationships, ministry and service, training. What a blessing our elders call on our ministers to go once or twice a year and and learn and be fed and be encouraged, going to a lectureship, going to a seminar, increasing, you, you, we call it in the educational business world, continuing education. And that's such an important thing, but it's not urgent. <laughs> and that's why it's easy to put off. Oh, this week, this month is so crazy, I just, I'm not going to go to Harding after all. And be fed and and study and learn and hear other preachers preaching at me and be reminded once again about how irritating and annoying it is when someone goes longer than you thought they were. Always good for preachers to hear some preaching. Those things are vital. The goal, again, is to spend regular, adequate time in quadrant two. And so you might ask, how am I doing? And the best way to determine that is to fill out your own chart. Take this chart and fill it out with the activities that you have every week. Do this one for yourself. Fill in what in your life should go in each quadrant. And then take a look at what you have and ask yourself, how am I doing? And even more important, share that with family members or a trusted friend and ask them, how am I doing? And give them permission to speak freely. couple of verses from Matthew 6 before we close. First of all, no one can serve two masters. Jesus said that well. Matthew 6 verse 24, no one can serve two masters. How do you know who your master is? Well, take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your checkbook register. You'll know what's in your heart by what you treasure. Ask yourself, whose calls am I taking? This clip that we saw earlier and that we're about to see again is from uh, this movie, The Devil Wears Prada, and it's Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep, and Anne Hathaway is working for Meryl Streep, and she's her boss, and she's 24-7 at her beck and call. And her boyfriend here tells her this great line. And it should stop us in our tracks, too. Let's show that clip one more time. No one can serve two masters. And so we sang it earlier, and it's found in Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Are you doing that? And how do you know? Whose calls are you taking? How are you spending your time? What takes up the majority of your calendar, of your bank account? Are you truly seeking first the kingdom and righteousness of God? Are you putting first things first? Are you taking time to be holy? Are you speaking oft with the Lord? Are you abiding with Him always? Are you feeding on His Word? The world rushes on. It's very easy for us to get in that same trap. Don't do it.
Today is a great reminder that we can make to each other. Don't do it. Put first things first. Take time to be holy. If we can help you do that, come as we stand and sing this great hymn together.